Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Join me and my guest, Stephen Robin, as we talk about his passion for solving business challenges and helping entrepreneurs turn their ideas into profitable ventures. Stephen is the Marketing Operations Director of DivNotes, Inc. and the President and Co-Founder of Treos. He shares some useful tips on how you can unlock business potential in your tech idea. So stay tuned and enjoy. Today we have Stephen Robin on Cashflow Connect. Stephen, welcome. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me here. It's, uh, I've been following, I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts and uh, excited to be here. Awesome. Um, Stephen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, me and my partner about five years ago started a consulting agency to focus on a few different solutions for our clients, um, operations, marketing, uh, you know, sales consulting, and even some business development work. Um, a long path of knocking on doors, a lot of failure, a lot of no's, a lot of uh, struggle led us towards a couple different interesting clients. One of them was a fintech solution, so I got heavily involved with payment processing systems, with e-commerce, um, you know, websites and incorporating them into those sorts of uh, operational systems. So I helped uh, develop a uh, software application for dealership management systems to also incorporate with the sales and service you know, to be able to track a, a transaction, you know, oil change, and then that, all that billing going into my software. That took me into uh, more technology companies that brought me into content marketing uh, with Cluster. Cluster is a, a content distribution uh, marketing software online um, that's entirely free, and, and that was a fun part of about a year. I had a team of about eight developers that worked for me, um, so I did the project management side of that and uh, learned a lot about technologies, learned a lot about application development, learned a lot about the software engineering landscape, the Canadian landscape specifically, um, You know, working with VCs, designs, what it's like to actually launch a product, and everything around you know taking application from the idea to paper to actual co-production. And so that was about uh, two and a half years of my life, just that project alone. And now lately in the past uh, couple, uh, couple uh, a few quarters here, I've been involved with a software engineering firm that actually produced that code. So I've now had exposure to almost the entire ecosystem around uh, applications, software companies and, uh, and the like, and consulting for a lot of interesting entrepreneurs along that sounds like as part of your journey, you've kind of been jack of all trades, learned a lot about the business, all the intricacies, but built That's some right. great, um, and at the same time, building a network as well in terms of um, resources that you can. Networks are key um, because in this business and, and generally in entrepreneurship, it's who you know, um, more so than what you know. And, and to speak to the jack of all trades thing, I believe there's two philosophies of kind of uh, who you can be in business. And it's one is a master of one, right? You, you want to know everything about one thing or you are a master of none and you know a little bit about everything. I'm more of the latter um, where I believe that I can speak to somebody for the most part on you know, some more technical details. However, I'm able to dabble in, in so many things that I'm a generalist and as you said, a jack of all trades where I can fit in and see things from a very good uh, macro level. Um, I'm a very systems thinker, so uh, with my INTJ kind of brain, I like to be pragmatic and deduct and, and create a plan first. So that helps me a lot when you're dealing with systems and when you're dealing with uh, operational software or processing planning, 
you need to think about all of these series of steps and milestones uh, to get to the end result goal that you're going to be at. And so a lot of my job is, okay, where do you want to go? All right, let's break down a series of steps, series of processes, series of milestones that we need to take in order to get there. And so for that, I can hire the generalist to figure out the details. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, now, um, so what specifically are you doing now? Um, yeah. Day to day. So day to day right now, I work on a lot of proposals. I hear a lot of pitches. Um, Peter, when we last, you know, we spoke about a couple of calls because I, I love what you're doing. You're interesting kind of guy. So we have some good chats. Something that, um, you know, constantly comes up is, is pitches ideas. Just pitches, ideas, and, and hearing entrepreneurs talk about what they want to do or, or this app idea that they've been sitting on or wouldn't it be great if they could pull off something. So I, before COVID, of course, before the pandemic, there's been a big impact to the meetings I type of had. I used to go for a lot of coffee meetings, a lot of drinks, and a lot of networking events. So I'd be listening to about 25 to maybe 100 uh, uh, app ideas or pitches uh, a week. Um, and that, that gave me a lot of exposure to really interesting ideas, but also not so great ones. And so what I do is I listen to those ideas. I do a bit of feasibility planning, um, make sure that it actually is a viable option, something that is worth pursuing. But then I'll go through the entire process of requirement planning. I'll design a series of proposals around what the entrepreneur particular idea or request is um, and break that down into a series of deliverables. Um, and I'll look at to quote that out, of course, finish the uh, request for, uh, for that proposal. But at the same time, it's a lot of discussion. It's a lot of understanding what really do, do these entrepreneurs really want? What are they missing? There's a lot of threats. There's a lot of weaknesses, and there's a lot of opportunities that might not just have been washed out yet. So a lot of my time on a day-to-day basis is writing those proposals and figuring out all these series of details that need to exist, but figuring also, you know, also what might be missing. I guess that, um, so can you talk about just like, who are you dealing with? Like how would someone get started in this business, just is it? Um... Yeah. So, uh, how would someone get started? Um, you know, when when someone has an idea, it, it might be on paper. It, they might have done a financial model. They might have done something where you know, it was an Excel spreadsheet somewhere magically in their computer in the corners of it. An idea that maybe they wrote down some numbers. Okay, well, I can get ten users here to do this you know, per per user. How much money am I going to need? Kind of these sorts of numbers. The first thing that every entrepreneur needs to start with is just the core concept of the idea. And it could be as simple as a SWOT analysis, going back to business school 101, right? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities? And what are the threats with the idea? Very basics, four paragraphs. I just need to get the overview of the idea. Is there a market here? Let's determine market feasibility. Let's take a look at the opportunity. Who are the competitors? And before we even dabble in to flushing out the idea and figuring out all the details of that sort of um, venture, we need to determine, is there a place for it? Does it have a, a, a spot in this world where consumers, the marketplace in general, is going to have a demand for it? Um, if we can't pass that first big question of, is there a market for this? No go. We stop here. Um, but if we do find opportunity, then it gets, gets really interesting. It gets fun. Because we can start to break down a series of features or a series of, of deliverables or a series of um, uh, tasks or, or, or things that the, the application or performance or venture will, will be able to deliver on. Um, 
And that's where it starts to get really fun and granular and, and a lot of discussion, a lot of debate. And that's where I usually get involved is, is at that stage. There's some sort of feasibility there. We can see that there's a market. We see that the, the, the idea of the venture makes money on paper. But what is the feasibility of actually building? You know, a lot of people come to me and they say, I want to be the Uber of this. I want to be the Uber of that. Or I want to you know, do this you know, exactly the way Uber did. Okay, well, Uber has way more resources than you will. Um, Amazon has way more resources than you will. And if you want to go and try to recreate the wheel because you think you can do it better, you're going to get a hard reality check. Um, I, think the, I think the world is, is highly adaptive, but not that adaptive. I think that they have a certain expectation of what they are looking for in an application. And now the bars are set so high because everyone's coming to a, an idea with, it's got to be as good as Uber. It's got to be as amazing as one of these other really profound unicorns. Likelihood, you're a one in a million shot of being a unicorn. Let's focus on having just a core concept first, a core application or a core business idea that makes money within the first year. Or first two years, that would be an amazing goal. Some statistics for you: one uh, out of one, <laughs> one out of one um, will have an idea in their lifetime, but one out of one hundred will make that idea a reality. One out of one hundred of the people who make the idea a reality will survive one year with that idea or venture uh, being undertaken. One out of one hundred from that will make it five. So the likelihood of the, one of my clients with a brand new venture idea of making it the five-year mark, it's almost like winning the lottery or being struck by lightning. The odds are very against you, but don't let that scare you. If anything, that means you should go back to the planning stages and focus more thoroughly on coming up with an idea that has a chance to make a large impact. It's significant. Spend more time on the idea, less time spinning wheels trying to solve problems in a marketplace that doesn't even And so do you have people that are, I guess you go back and you rework, rework, rework until you yeah. get it. Are there, how many, how often do the apps end up the same as what they came into <laughs> with? Like, or they look at zero. total, yeah. <laughs> zero, none, nada, zilch. Um, there's not been one application that has come to us with a list of, you know, uh, uh, items, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, that, that ends up being exactly what the client came to us with. Um, that's just not reality. There's so many things you missed. There's technology opportunities that just might not have been brought up yet. What about, um, you know, I guess the, this next piece is like, how much does it cost to get started? And then where do things like, um, where do venture capitalists come into the picture? Yeah. Um, of this? So, so the money part of, of coming up with a venture, um, capital is a tricky one. Um, I have never met a client who had enough capital because it, it's, it's just, it's never enough. Right? Let's look at Instagram. Let's look at how much R&D is being spelled on, spent on these, these huge companies. Well, um, the thing about technology companies is that it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, a lot of it is embellishing or ballooning the valuations of the share price. Um, and so a lot of capital raising is around with this facade of let's inject more cash into it to get a greater return. But the idea actually hasn't flushed out, been flushed out yet. Or the return on investment isn't even really there. Um, so it's a tricky thing to navigate, but I'll do my best to kind of spell it out. So first and foremost, to kind of get started, um, you know, really I wouldn't say anyone should, should expect to be able to build an application or 
really any software for free, um, you're going to need to hire somebody in some capacity. You just can't do it alone. So the first thing and foremost is find a group of people, your C-suite, your, your founders team, don't do it alone. There's a phrase in entrepreneurship, which is that if, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Software engineering is very much the latter. If you want to go far with your software idea, you need desperately to have a team. And that needs to be maybe a CTO or a technical lead. That's fine. I, I have some people who can act as that remote CTO kind of role. Um, I can be your operations director or project manager. But there's just so many other hats that need to be filled that I don't have the time or my team doesn't have the time to, to do it all. So you need a core team around. So the one the most valuable kind of capital you can have is human capital, human resource capital. More than anything, the people you work with are more valuable to an investor than anything else. 15% of, um, of a capital, uh, capital injection will be a result of the software that's being used. But the rest of it is about business models. It's about the founder team. It's about kind of ind individuals you're dealing with. It's about how good is the idea. And yeah, do the numbers make sense? But the actual technology and being able to build it is a minor, um, especially in Canada where um, we deal with something called chips. So in software development, um, there's always usually a VC element just because of the nature of the size and of the scope of sorts of the venture. It's not like opening up your own franchise where you know there's a set series of numbers. Everything's iterative. It never ends. It's, it's an ongoing process. And so that's a very expensive ongoing process, very large overhead to carry. You know, some software development these can be as much as $30, sorry, as little as $30 an hour if you want to outsource it to India, which you're going to get what you pay for. It's not going to be the best. It's going to be mistakes. It's going to be code. You might have to throw it out and rebuild it. Or you can go all the way up to the $150, $200 an hour kind of software development, which is they're amazing. They're senior software, full stack developers. But, um, you know, again, a bit more expensive. They can manage a team for you, maybe juniors. Um, but the trick with, with capital injections is that it's never enough. So, so you need to be more realistic with the first iteration. Creating an MVP, a minimal viable product, or a go-to-market proof-of-concept application that's maybe a bit more stripped down than your original vision and try to get it to a ballpark that fits your actual budgets. Maybe that is 50K. Maybe that is $25,000. Maybe that's $10,000, in which case I can recommend some tools and free WYSIWYG software for you to use that you can maybe put together a quick sketch documenting, put together some, some quick designs and start to figure out the rest of the details. So you talked about Canada specifically. What? Um... Yeah, so, so Canada specifically. So the differences between the San Fran versus Toronto yeah. BC raising, it's very, very different. So if you were uh, a Toronto investor and I was a San Francisco investor, you would typically come up to an entrepreneur and say, hey, I like your idea. I'll give you a shot. Here's 10 grand. Let me flip you a, a little coin here. Let me see what you can do with 10 grand. Good luck to you, kid. Well, I, the San Francisco investor, would say, hey, you know what? Here's 50 grand or 100 grand. Let's see what you can do. I'll talk to you in about three months. Come back to me if you make it. That's just, just the amount of money that's being played with in the America, uh, Americas is just vastly different. Toronto investors have a very different profile. We're looking, you know, in this kind of space um, often, and these investors are always looking for the exact same thing. They want immediate return. They want to get their cash flow working for them, and they're looking for thirty percent. They're looking for a twenty-five to, you know, and upwards of rate of return on investment. 
So my hundred grand, you know, uh, in the Americas, that's fine. I don't mind losing it as that kind of American investor. I'm still going to expect the same kind of rate of returns, but I'm happy to lose some to find my right investment to later on make my 30 act. But in Toronto, it's, it's more like a loan. It's like, I want royalties. I want shares. I want a piece of the pie. I want a board share. And by the way, you have to give me a 30% rate of return. Otherwise, I'm just going to stick with some of their private investments. Um, Toronto and, and GTA investors generally are looking for a very sure thing. And they don't take the same kind of risk that the Americans do. So when you're coming up with an idea and you're here in Canada, you've got to be aware of that or be willing to raise. The ideas aren't bigger. i got to be honest with you. Um, I don't think the ideas or the, the minds that are, that are currently coming up with great ventures in Toronto or anywhere really in North America are any different. I think there's amazing individuals everywhere in the world. I've gone to, um, if you've gone to a collision conference or any listeners to this ever have, you'll, you'll go to these sorts of events and you'll see boosts upon boosts upon boosts, hundreds of boosts of, of people, smart technological teams, smart companies with really interesting, innovative ideas. Most of them will never see the light of day, going back to that, you know, that five-year one in 100 or one in 100 kind of conversation again. But that being said, it doesn't stop from producing this great idea. It's just sometimes where these, these ventures fall short is the execution. And that's why I came in because I've, I failed in other ventures of my, of my own before. So I, I know uh, some things to look out for. There's, there's obviously a, a lot of different ways to fail, but a, a really great idea with poor execution is still going to go nowhere. And so what I like to focus on with a lot of these different ventures is, you know, the execution plan. What is our go-to-market strategy? How are we going to break this down in a series of phases or a series of, of um, years in order for the application to really ever make it to the, the position or the goal, end goal that you're trying to get to? Um, most entrepreneurs don't have that kind of stamina. A, a software engineer, um, you know, venture, uh, an application it's a years kind of problem, not a, not a year problem. It's not a, I want my rate of return a hundred times, you know, by year three, it's, it's, you're probably going in the hole for about five years. Um, maybe by year eight or 10, you're starting to see uh, really large market share or, or you're starting to see the really you know, projected growth that you want to see. It's just that timelines are that long. I just look at the long odds based on how many people make it over over a year, over five years, and you know, yeah. like we talked about, but what what do you think that keeps people going, like coming back for more? Uh, masochism. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think entrepreneurs. Um, you know, we've got something crazy in us. There, there's some sort of switch that broke a while ago, and we like to think that our one idea is going to break, break it, and 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 break the mold, and we're going to change the world. The reality is most entrepreneurs can't do that. The reality is a lot of great ideas, again, fail in execution, but these entrepreneurs um, have such a resilience factor about them. I, I love the mindset of an entrepreneur so much. It inspires me every day. These individuals can just keep taking punches. Um, and you never know when you take your last punch, Peter. That's, that's the magic, isn't it? Because we'll go in running against that brick wall day after day after day, you know, hitting our head on this limit until we finally come up with the Eureka moment and it's, aha, we figure a way to break it. 
sometimes it's it's kind of like that. I have calls from entrepreneurs who I've been thinking about the problem you brought up to me for, for about six months. I think I got it. Great. Let's have another. It, you don't know where the inspiration comes. You don't know when you'll have that breakthrough. You know, it's kind of like the Thomas Edison the light bulb. He, uh, he invented 999 ways not to invent a light bulb before you finally figured it out. Same kind of thing with entrepreneurs. I think there's a bug in us. There's some sort of switch or, or, or some sort of something loose in there that makes us think that we just got to keep putting our hands back in the fire. And don't give up. Persistence is, is honestly the key to success. You, you've got to fight for a long time before you ever make it. If someone's just starting, would can you suggest where they would go to, to with, if they have an idea? Um, yeah. Places where they can connect into. Yeah. So a good place to start, um, you know, let's, let's assume that you've got a couple friends, right? Let's assume that you've got um, some people in your network um, to join you on this quest. They like the idea too. And they've been helping you flush out the, the concept. Well, it might be time to share the idea with some tech pitch kind of events. There's a whole bunch around you know, meetup.com kind of things in Toronto. I'm usually you know, pre-COVID at all of them. I'm listening to every single one of those uh, speakers come up on stage with a, a basic PowerPoint presentation. They haven't built anything yet. Maybe they have one Excel document, but they've got an idea. They, they flushed some things out themselves and it shows that they're willing to put it in the homework and the time. And they're looking for either a capital investment or they're looking to network with the right people. Because going back to the original part of the conversation or the earlier part of the conversation, human resource capital is more valuable than anything. I've, I, I, I can tell a, a better client from a weaker client just based on the team they have around them. How, what, how smart are they? How quick are they able to adapt? How fast can they solve this problem? Um, you know, what sort of uh, other threats are they able to identify? How good is their vision, really, honestly? And then once you get to these meetups, once you get into these few kind of environments, you'll start to see there's a lot of incubators. There's the DMZ. There's a lot of startup uh, kind of areas. There's the um, tech alliances, there's uh, a lot of startup communities and incubators and accelerator programs that are amazing resources. Not only can you find other sort of consultants like me, can you find other organizations and resources in these kind of hubs, but a lot of the times they have grants and other programs with the government to be able to help you get the first five to 25 grand through government-backed uh, uh, grants and, and bursaries and everything else. Um, there's a lot of credits that are available to Canadians um, I think the government has done a decent job at providing a lot of these opportunities to keep the, the technology companies here in the Ontario area. Um, and so go to TechTO events, you know, go to these meetup events, meet other people, again, build that core team and, and you'll need to start establishing a network and, and create a whole bunch of different names for different solutions and different needs because you're going to need a whole, uh, a whole small town of people, you know, to take your idea to, um, to fruition. So I guess that uh, I was going to say my, my next question as we got to wrap up was how do people connect with you? It sounds like if they show up one of these tech events, you'll, you're more than likely be there. Um, I'm more than likely be there. Well, I would have, um, you know, now I'm isolated, but uh, I, I love them. I love as are it. the rest of the world. Right. But yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and this, this will all pass, but you know, until then, I think there's a lot of digital groups such as, you know, cash flow connects, right. Let's, let's get smart entrepreneurs together to share ideas because Look, it's not only about getting my name out here. You know, any anyone else for that matter who's looking to get, you know, uh, a conversation started. I think it's it's there's a lot of people in my network who who want to help other amazing entrepreneurs that I, I make references all the time. I don't get anything from it, not because um, you know I, I I get some sort of sick twisted uh, benefit of it. I just I love 
seeing people um, follow their dreams. I love seeing businesses uh, be started and, and be built into something great. And the more I can support that ecosystem in any way possible, even when it's not me being particularly involved, I want to be a part of it. So you know, how can I help? Uh, you know, message me on, on Facebook, message me on LinkedIn, find me you know, on social media, give me a direct message, hit an email, there's websites I could be found um, and I'm open to those conversations. It doesn't have to be one that changes hands. I, I'm happy for a call to hear about an idea and help flush out some of the problems and threats that might come with it. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your insight and uh, sharing your story with Castro Connects today. Well, thank you, Peter. I appreciate uh, being here. And um, yeah, let's, let's do it again. I think there's so many amazing things that uh, entrepreneurs can share. There's so many amazing lessons. And I, I can't wait to keep following and hearing more from the, uh, the other podcasters. All right. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cashflow Canucks podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca.